Uh, yeah, we, we are actually staying in a hotel and an Airbnb uh, over this vacation. And, you know, we don't live in the area, so there's not a lot of places for us to really go uh, outside of that. So I, we chose to stay at a hotel just because I have so many points because I'm a consultant and stay at a hotel four days a week generally. Uh, we came down for Metallica's 40th anniversary, so a couple concerts. I actually heard about that. I was sold out. I was yeah. like, going to check out one. Yeah, very cool. So, yeah, 12 hours from home, got to stay somewhere, so... Oh, yes, we're staying in a hotel. This is a, we are here for a couple days for an annual get-together that we have with a group of friends. Yeah, and we always come in for two nights, stay at the same place over here on Columbus Avenue. Have dinner. Go out for a couple of dinners. Enjoy the, enjoy the wharf and the pier and the area. Yeah, we're both without kids, and so we're able to just enjoy a vacation together. Staying at Argonaut Hotel for one night. Uh, we're traveling. Uh, we're originally from Singapore, and we decided to take a road trip here in U- in US. Yeah, so stay two nights in San Francisco. We've been here a couple of times before. We really like this area. So you know, traveling with kids, we try to make everything convenient. We just wanted to stay at a nice place downtown, so we figured mm-hmm. a a hotel is going to be the best choice for us. Oh, we chose to stay in a hotel because um, we're on a family vacation and we're just, cho- we chose that hotel because it was in a central location. So what are some of the reasons why you did decide to stay in a hotel? Uh, we drove up from Southern California up to here just to see a concert and we needed a place to sleep. About it. <laughs> Welcome to Changing Places, brought to you by Avis and Young. In Changing Places, we explore our continuing and complex relationships with the built world around us. I'm your host, Miriam Sobe. What is the first thing you think about when you hear the word hotel? Is it a grand hotel from the Belle Epoque? Or does your mind drift to an all-inclusive resort in the mountains of Switzerland or the beaches of Brazil? Whatever comes to mind, I think it's safe to say those resorts and hotels currently miss you more than you've missed them. Or maybe you miss them too, because I certainly do. As the world begins to grapple with our new reality, the hotel sector is faced with challenges on all fronts. According to the American Hotel and Lodging Association, half of all hotel rooms remain vacant. The AHLA notes that business travel is down 85% overall in 2021, with only 56% of consumers saying they expect to travel for leisure anytime soon. Forbes Business Insights states that the luxury hotel sector fell 60% in 2020, and the IMARC Group, I-M-A-R-C Group, predicts that even with fewer travelers, the luxury market will grow at a compound annual growth rate of approximately 6% between 2021 to 2026. With all of that to consider, what does the future hold as we begin to stay in hotels for the first time in nearly two years? Who are the hotels targeting? Which aspects of the travel market are thriving while others falter? And could a new model for hotels rooted in our new reality alter our long-held expectations with hotels and maybe even change the way we interact with them on an as-needed basis? I'll discuss these issues and more with my guests Paul Wells, partner at Dexter Moore & Associates, and Richard Gaunt, Avis & Young's principal for hotels in London. We'll get their views on the current challenges of the hotel sector, which affect not only hotels, but landlords and hotel guests like you and me. We're asking, what are the current needs, wants, and requirements for hotels to not only succeed, but thrive in the new world? What's it going to take for our love affair with hotels to get back on track?
Before we begin today's show, be sure to follow Changing Places and be sure to tell your friends about us. While you're at it, give a rating and a review too. We'd love to hear from you. Richard Gaunt, welcome to Changing Places. Richard, in the last year and a half, the hotel sector has been one of the hardest hit by lockdowns and restrictions across the globe. But from your point of view, how have hotels adapted to their new reality when it comes to satisfying all the stakeholders involved in keeping a hotel open and viable? It's a pretty complicated question, and there's no real easy answer here, given the complexities of, I suppose, the hotel space and ecosystem, really with this kind of the multitude of stakeholders involved. But I suppose if I break it down into some key groups involved, it might be the best way to really get to the bottom of it. So, I mean, starting with the most important, really, which is the customers. I mean, what we've seen is huge COVID-safe measures rolled out, uh, everything from misting to deep cleaning, the development and deployment now of uh, quite high-quality bespoke immunity-boosting products across the space. And actually, it's been really positive, certainly from a European perspective, but I know from a North American perspective as well, to see and look at the data to see this kind of increase occupancy and performance coming back into the, into the space. Looking at it from a different guise, I suppose, from an operations point of view, staff uh, and the impact on staff has been a huge challenge. And we're going to see, I suppose, continued pressure on that over the next 12 months, both retaining staff and getting staff, especially in Europe and uh, particularly in the UK. You know, the height of the pandemic, there was pretty much universal hotel closures and Maintaining your staff and getting them back, even with government support, has been has, has been has been a challenge. And they're really operators have been quite quite interesting and quite innovative how they've pivoted the use of staff. Brands are an important factor in this space. They've shown flexibility. You know, your big brands, your your Hiltons, your Marriotts, your IHGs, your Accors, uh, and they've they, they've flexed. They've reduced their fees where they can. So. That, that's been an area of, of, of a lot of challenge and, I suppose, rebooting as we come out of it. If you, if you shift your guys to really the owner and the funder side of, side of the equation, I think really there's a realisation out there now that stakeholders have to have a share in the upside as well as the downside. I think it's going to be interesting to see how owners choose to react when it becomes rebooting and the hospitality reboots over the course of this year and into next with how they start investing back into the fabric and the quality of their hotels again. It's going to be a fascinating 12 months. There's going to be pressure, I suppose, on on a wide variety of those involved across the hotel ecosystem. When it comes to hotels in the, in the leisure sector, do you think there are going to be big changes coming ahead that have already been discussed to better accommodate travelers? Or is this kind of something where it's trial and error as we move forward? bit of trial and error still to come, I think. The, the majority of the heavy lifting was done in the first three months of the pandemic where there was you know, huge resource deployed and focus across the, across the chains. I think the fundamentals of, 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 I suppose, the cleanliness and hygiene agenda have been well deployed. Um, I think, uh, you know, the next, the next phase really is how elements of automation, which were already in development pre-pandemic, are really being accelerated post-COVID. You saw self-service check-in, self-service you know, phone ordering becoming quite common, but it's going to be interesting. It has to align with, with the guest experience. I'm curious about, so with, with hotels being built, maybe there's new ones that are, that are supposed to be coming up. 
Is that going to be really difficult to navigate? If numbers are already down in traditional hotel spaces, how are newer hotels going to be able to enter this space and be competitive? It's a good point. At the moment, there's, there's, there's no two ways about it. The development sphere and developing new, new hotels is, is challenged. At the moment, there's a lot of pause in terms of any development that wasn't underway. What we've seen in the past 10 or 15 years is a, is a dramatic change in what customers are after, uh, their engagement, you know, the importance of design, the importance of change in the fabric of a hotel. Uh, and I think that really drives a good opportunity for new, new hotels to come into the market. And when they do come into a market, they tend to be very successful if, they're, if they are aligned to what the market and the, the guest is after. And they tend to outperform tired hotels, even if they're undergoing light touch refurbs in, in a space. So there is a compelling market advantage for, for new hotels coming into, into a space. Earlier, you mentioned just uh, with the hygiene and all of the things that have been put into play in the hotel space. And I think that's reassuring for a lot of folks who, you know, maybe in the past they thought hotels weren't always the cleanest place. Now it's like we are assured that it's super uh, sanitized. Do you think this is something that will continue even after the pandemic hopefully slows down or comes to an end that these hygiene measures will always be in place? I think it's it's going to be one of the positive points coming out of it. The investment in it and you know the reassurance that I give the guest is 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 second to none in a lot in a lot of experiences that I, certainly I've had as a, as a guest in a hotel. So finger, fingers crossed, the horror stories and the uh, <laughs> the uh, Instagram photos will be uh, greatly reduced. You can never get rid of all, but hopefully they'll be greatly reduced. And it's a it's an important part of consumer confidence, I think, to get back into the spaces. Well, before we wrap up, are there any trends, good or bad, you're seeing in the hotel space which may be with us for the next five years or so? It's a big question. I think there's the, the immediacy of the next 12 months. I see this drive and continuation really of the, the design-led uh, guest experience being the new norm. This move away from, yeah, we've all seen it, the homogenized hotel. Um, you know, when I'm looking at other, other cultural norms, I see this kind of wider trend really coming from retail, which I would suppose would be called hyper-personalization. And I see that having quite an important role certainly in the hospitality space and certainly the luxury space over the next five to 10 years with, you know, a move from guests being told what luxury means to them to guests telling hotels. And that'll be everything from them telling, telling the hotel what they would like to eat rather than it being produced on a menu for them. The fourth kind of area, I suppose, would be a design-led response. You can see certain hotels uh, developing it you know, there's your best classic, best in class examples, you know, your Park Royal Hotel in Singapore, you know, which is basically a hotel located within an urban garden where you have this kind of elements of biophilic design, I suppose is the best way to call it, maximizing natural lights, planting, how you deal with heating and cooling in, 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 a, in a hotel, going back to your earlier points of, of hygiene is, is important and is going to be a, a, an interesting trend moving forward all the way down to you know, the structural selection of building materials. There's going to be structural development in terms of products across certainly the EMA space. I know the US market and the Canadian market are more developed uh, and slightly more mature in terms of the range of hotels and hospitality products available. But I think we're undersupplied uh, in terms of apart hotels. I'm not just talking about 
um, some of the brands that you'll be used to seeing in, in the States, you know, your residence inns, your stay bridges, your adagios, that kind of, you know, the corporate travel apart hotel or the kind of the apart hotel 1.0. But the, but the rise of the kind of the hybrid 2.0 apart hotel model where you have this kind of mashing together of co-working, co-living, health and fitness, food and beverage in, in, in one building. And I think that's a, that's an interesting development that certainly we're starting to see. You know, the hospitality space has an important part to play in the rebooting of the urban realm as well. Would you ever use a hotel outside of its normal use, like to get dinner or work in the lobby or something like that? You use hotels to flee the kids. That's how most use hotels. <laughs> uh, we just had dinner in Vancouver a couple weeks ago at a hotel because it's a good restaurant uh, before we went to a show. And I've had to duck into hotels before to use our business center to get a little work done. So, well, I've I've gone to dinner in hotels. If they have a nice restaurant, I I, I go to hotels for dining. Uh, no, I probably wouldn't use a hotel outside of its normal use. It just doesn't really pop up in my world. In just a moment, I'll be joined by Paul Wells, a chartered architect and partner at Dexter Moore & Associates with nearly two decades of experience in hotel and leisure, residential, and healthcare design. But first. A quick reminder, you're listening to Changing Places, brought to you by Avis & Young, a show that continues to explore and question our complex relationship with the built world around us. My name is Miriam Sobe. If you like what you're hearing, I encourage you to tell your friends about us. Or hey, maybe leave us a quick review. We'd love to hear from you. So listen, does the thought of sleeping in a hotel room that's been used by another person creep you out a little bit these days? Or are you like, bring on those crisp white sheets? Do you yearn to sip a cool drink by the pool as the cares of the world pass you by? Or would you rather have a staycation at home without all the hustle, bustle, and uncertainty involved with traveling? What would it take to make you feel safe at a hotel? Or maybe you're already there. Finally, does it make a difference to you whether we're talking about a luxury hotel or roadside motel? Our next guest is going to give us some information to help us weigh these kinds of questions and make decisions about staying in hotels going forward. He's also going to give us a snapshot of what's happening in the industry as a whole. Let's get into it. Paul Wells, welcome to Changing Places. Paul, in the last year and a half, we've seen the hotel industry upended with reopenings. It seems like they're starting and stopping. What do you think the hotel sector will look like once things resume to sort of the pre-pandemic era? So in London, we're doing quite well. We're, we're not far off pre-pandemic levels at weekends. We're doing a lot of, we're seeing a lot of leisure travel. We're seeing less business travel, I think, during the week. And I do wonder to what extent that will return to pre-pandemic levels. I think there is a desire for travel. I think there's a desire for face-to-face meetings. And certainly what I'm seeing in the hotel industry in London particularly is that people are using the hotels again. And we're using the front of house spaces in the way that we we did pre-pandemic. And if anything, the only change is maybe the buffets have gone. But in the way that we use the space, it doesn't feel that different. And I think that's human nature, that that actually there is a desire to be where we are, where we were, and, and take that forward again. If I travel with the kids, I think if the room has some, you know, nice features, can attract kids, like tent, you know, little toys, I think I definitely will be my first choice, yeah. Do you think things look different depending on the type of travel, for example, business or high-end, families with kids, etc.? I do, actually. I think I think there's more likely to be domestic travel 
for families. So uh, whereas people might have gone to Europe previously for weekend trips, they're now looking at UK destinations. And I'm not just talking London here, I'm, I'm talking sort of secondary and tertiary cities. I think that that is a trend that will continue. I think people have realised the UK is quite a great place for a weekend trip. You don't necessarily need to go abroad. Maybe it's just a sense, but I do feel like business travels tailed off a bit. And, and then you touch on luxury. Maybe luxury never really went away. I think there's a certain level of people that have continued to travel and, and those hotels have, have retained their, their custom. Where do you see hotels focusing their attention right now? Is there any sort of particular niche or, or, or anything like that? There's been a diversification in the way the front of house spaces are used. I think there's less reliance on guests and, and sort of breakfast and service, for example. Uh, and they're starting to really encourage outside meetings to come in and workspace and, and use the spaces 24 hours a day rather than just peak periods when there was checkout, particularly reception areas and, and lounge areas, which previously might have been a bit quiet at certain points of the day. And I think there is a desire as well with the way that people are working at home with having somewhere to break out to and hotels offer that. Yeah, yeah, the Grand Hyatt in San Francisco is connected to the airport. So when I have super late flights, I'll stop at that hotel, get a nice dinner, and then end up in the airport. So I've also used it for workspaces. Like, you can rent a room or a location for the day only just to do some work. So uh, those are other uses I'd have for the hotel. Well, just when it seems like travel is back, we have another variant pop-up, and some folks may still be reluctant to get on an airplane. Have you seen an uptick in the hotel and leisure markets? I know you kind of mentioned that earlier, that it seems like it's it's still, at, at some points, even pre-pandemic levels of, of folks coming out. I guess, you know, I'm wondering how regional spas or go-to destinations like Glen Eagles in Scotland or Soho Farmhouse outside of London are templates for the kind of local experiences people can have at hotels rather than going abroad. So actually, I think it was coming pre-pandemic, but the pandemic sort of speeded things up. And I think actually this this idea that a UK resort, which is something that didn't really exist in the past other than maybe centre parks, the, the idea that actually you go and you stay at a hotel, but actually you do all your activities there as well. So you might do outdoor pursuits like archery or falconry alongside spa days and golf. And, and actually you go for the weekend and you park up your car and you don't go anywhere. And I, that's definitely coming forward. I think we're seeing more of that. So are you seeing that as something that's going to be more popular in the area? Sort of an all-in-one, you just show up and the activities are planned and the food's there? Yeah, I, I, I think it will happen. Um, not not in all hotels. Obviously, there's still a market for for a base hotel, if you like, where you, you travel and see the, the local area and, and embrace the, the neighbourhood that you're in. And that, that certainly is true of city hotels. But I think some of these more rural locations where you can go for a, a, a few days and just completely relax and rewind your the stresses of everyday life by not feeling that you have to get in your car all the time. I think that's very positive. And I think that will happen. Do you think that there's going to be a greater shift in the way traditional hotels are, are used? For example, in, in Chicago, the Seneca Hotel is now a European style apartment building. So we're, we're, we're looking at a number of service department schemes. Service departments have uh, performed very well during the lockdown. Many of them have been talking to a lot of the owners and operators of those. We've been looking at a lot of dual branded opportunities. So they, they might be um, a standard hotel that can share operations and front of house facilities with a longer stay model that's part of the same building. I think that hotels 
will move in that direction of how can they make people stay longer, particularly as they move away from that more transient business model. So how do they get people to stay for a month or two when they move to a city or, or, or are only visiting for two or three weeks? Uh, I, yeah, I guess having cafe type situation where it's open and maybe things that are kid friendly if you're going to hang out briefly. What do you think stakeholders in hotels have to do to sort of remain a place, a go-to place for folks? Not just a night out or a meal, but a real, full, complete experience. So something we've been looking at in the office, or we've been talking about for a number of years, is that sense of neighborhood story and placemaking. Actually, creating a place and a sense of where you're staying is really important. So that when you visit London, you feel like you're in London, or if you go to Manchester or Birmingham or whichever city you're in, it's not just a, a, con- a continuity of, of the same story. And, and actually, I think hotels need to, to, to do that in every aspect of what they do. So whether that's their front of house spaces or their, or their bedrooms, I think cre- creating a neighborhood environment and almost like a community hub is really important. I think like events or something that, hey, we're doing this for Christmas or we're going to do this thing on this night, you know, like social gatherings, if you will. Um, Also, what's really important for us out-of-town travelers is like, okay, where do we go? What do we do? Who do, you know, what's the, what's the favorites around here? And just kind of have that like, um, that go-to person. I have to say, I do enjoy that. I, I traveled recently and I could see the difference, you know, when you use your phone to check into your room and all this stuff. It just, I feel like it speeds up the process, but also, I don't know, it's just, it's an easier experience <laughs> than waiting in line. But w- with all of these changes that have been happening, are these due to uh, customers who who want, you know, the new technology or these changes or shifts, or is this more from, from the corporate side? I, I think it's both. You know, certainly big corporate buyers are, are interested in how they can keep their team safe while they're traveling. I don't think travel's happening at quite the level it was, like we were saying with business travel. I think we do have to be careful that obviously there's there's a spectrum of travelers out there and not everybody has a spot for particularly independent travelers and, and older travelers. I think, like you say, there's, there's a variation of travelers there and we need to make sure that we accommodate them all. So families are, I think, less likely to use a, a phone if you're trying to manage children and check in and open doors and do everything, maybe you, maybe it's nice to have somebody carrying your bags. But, but maybe an independent business traveler is more likely to say, no, I just want it straight, streamlined with my phone. I've used it for the airline ticket. I've used it for my bus ticket. I want to use it for, for my room as well. Do you think that hotels can be all things to all people or should each hotel focus on something that it does really well? It'd be nice to be all inclusive. Um, but, I, but there's always brands that will attract certain types of travelers, you know, so there, there's certainly younger brands in the market, which are, are seen maybe to be a bit cooler, a bit more edgy, and that have uh, more of an offering based around activities and, uh, and whether that's a funky bar or a music room or a, a speakeasy bar hidden in the basement, you know, compared to the more traditional hotel where, where people just know what they're going to get. And there's, there's a marketplace for all of them. I don't think one hotel could be all things to all people, but um, but I think that like equally, you know, you should be as inclusive and as encompassing as you can. For me, it'd be like unique partnerships to like get me out to go do things. Like I don't want a partnership with something like an Applebee's that's a chain, but if it's a partnership with like, hey, this is something that's unique to the town, you stay with us, we'll 
make sure you have a reservation or a discount or whatever it may look like. That way you really get to experience the place you're in. What about with the trends in this area? What are you seeing in the next five years or so that may affect hotels and how we interact with them? So I do think there'll be a shift away from that hard reception desk in the lobby. I think we'll see that is 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 gradually phasing out in a way, but I think in the next five years it will definitely be on its on its way. I think the idea that you have more multifunctional arrival spaces, so that you're making better use of the uh, the whole of the building and how you uh, can generate income from that and how you can enjoy it as a as an occupant, for example, swimming pools and spa spaces and relaxation zones, which which not all business travel hotels had previously. I think will be it'll be interesting to see whether they feed in more, whether that's a dry spa or a massage space or a relaxation room. Um, and I, I think that that kind of understanding of how we live our lives and how we have quite intense days at work and then we want to really relax at night and we don't necessarily want to just relax with an interactive telly in our bedroom you know we we want to see people and be somewhere Um, and that might be a bar but it might equally just be a relaxation room I'd like to thank Paul Wells and Richard Gaunt for taking the time to guide us through the future of hotels as we all adjust I'm really excited to see how the world of hotels and leisure continues to serve the needs of its patrons and everyone else across the value chain. There's no telling what you may find the next time you check into your hotel room. Here's hoping they'll always put chocolates on your pillow. Join us next week as we go behind your favorite delivery apps and into the still unknown world of ghost kitchens. What kitchens? Exactly. I know this is an episode you will not want to miss. I'm Miriam Sob, and this is Changing Places, brought to you by Avis and Young. See places changing and evolving in your neighborhood? Share your evolving spaces with us on social media using the hashtag Changing Places Podcast. I'm Miriam So, and this is Changing Places. Changing Places is brought to you by Avis and Young. Our producer is Andrew Pemberton Fowler. Our sound engineer is Patrick Emile. Our production assistant is Gabriella Mrozowski. Additional production support is provided by Jar Audio.